0: You're listening to Country Chat with Dom, and today's guest is Caitlin May. I had an issue with my recording software, but for some miraculous reason, Zoom was recording, so I managed to pull that audio. However, I do sound tinny in the first half. Now I need to give a listener discretion is advised warning, as this episode contains topics relating to abuse, mental, physical, and sexual. I highly commend Caitlin for talking about her story and please know if you have been a victim there are many sites and helplines you can call. You're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with your host Dom. Subscribe, give a five star rating and follow us on Twitter at country underscore chat and stay up to date. Hi there, you're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with me Dom. Today I'm speaking to a lovely woman Called Caitlin May. Hi, Caitlin.
1: Hi.
0: How are you doing?
1: I'm amazing, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm good. I mean, we're getting towards the end of this. I hate talking about this because it's so monotonous at times. But we're all going through it. And here in England, we're going. We're just about to come out of this national lockdown. And uh, where I'm based in the north of England, I'm actually going into a Tier Three system, so it pretty much doesn't change. Yeah. How's it been for you in Wales?
1: It's honestly, this year has been insane. It's been really crazy. I mean, I had so many festivals. I mean, festivals are my favourite events to perform at. Um, And I had so many festivals lined up this year. And I haven't even performed at one. I know a few of the artists I've seen uh, virtually online (laughs) have managed to perform at a few events this year. Not many. I know nobody Mm -hmm. really... Had as many as they thought they would, but they've actually managed to perform live at some events. And I'm like, I wish even like one or two of my events had gone ahead, obviously, with the restrictions in place, but nothing has gone ahead this year. I've just, everything I've done has been like live on Facebook, just virtual. And I still enjoy being able to perform for people, but it's not the same without seeing them in person and actually feeling the buzz of performing live for a real audience.
0: I mean, the very first time I heard of you was back in spring, and it was for a spring festival with SW Twenty Country.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I think that was one of my first um, live, like, well, live um, performances, and it was just so different to being <laughs> in person. But I mean, without that this year, without like social media and um, these live stream events that people have been putting on. I mean, artists wouldn't have even been heard from this year. So it yeah. has been a saving grace, really.
0: Performing at the Spring Festival then, obviously being the first live virtual festival, how did you find going from performing in front of people to then performing in front of a camera and just seeing yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I do love being on stage. And obviously that's one thing, again, that wasn't possible I was just doing it from my lounge (laughs) at at the time um that's a big lounge (laughs) (laughs) it's hugely different obviously to having an in-person audience and I really do miss having that live feeling where you just get this buzz from people being able to you know shout and clap and you hear it and you just feel really like in the moment and you yeah. feel really connected to your audience and I do still enjoy the live stream events because it, it has offered a lifeline this year because obviously we've lost so much but if I could switch it out and have it still be in person I definitely would.
0: Going back before this like coronavirus period you know pandemic when you used to perform in front of people what did you, you do just before the actual performance as such
1: so i tend to um stay quite quiet before my performances because i am prone to getting sore throats and obviously when you're in like a, a live venue there tends to be quite a lot of noise background noise so yeah. if i'm talking to my parents um or talking to people like in the audience i find that trying to like speak over everything else that's going on gives me a bit of a hoarse voice, especially not so much if you're just talking and it's like 10, 15 minutes, but if I'm there to set up and I'm there like an hour and a half before and I spend the whole time talking, which I like, believe you me, I could, I honestly wouldn't have a voice by the time I was performing. So I tend to, Drink a lot of water. I, I pretty much only drink water. That has been one of the changes this year because it's been a lot of at home. I have had like more pop and other drinks and a lot more coffee. And I would say that's probably not been very good for me because water <laughs> is much healthier for my vocal cords. So I should.
0: I mean, it's like here now talking. I've got a cup of coffee with me, but you've still got a bottle of water. It just shows.
1: Yeah I try my hardest because I used to hate water like I wouldn't drink it at all Mm -hmm. Um, I would only drink like it's really bad but when I was little I would only like drink coke I I didn't even like squash so if my parents wanted me to drink and stay hydrated it would have to be a fizzy drink yeah and um, I always wanted to be a singer and I constantly was complaining of having a sore throat so we were like back and forth to the doctors trying to like figure it out. And they sent me to a speech therapist, not for my speech, but um for like my vocal cords. Yeah. And I also had like a camera go down to like check if everything was okay. And they actually found that I have misaligned vocal cords.
0: Oh, really?
1: And yeah. And my doctor said, you know, singing can be a hobby for you, but it's not going to be like a professional. It's not going to be a job for you. And yeah. I said to my... I left and I said to my parents in the car I was like there's no way it is going to be job, <laughs> because it's my whole it's my whole life like I don't know what I would do without music I just enjoy every second of it and also ex- like really getting to know myself and being able to write and put my feelings down on paper has been an incredible experience and I wouldn't Want to give that up? So I yeah, said to yeah. my parents, "You know, I'm going to find a way." And when I started going to my speech therapist appointments, she was like, "Well, for one thing, you need to ditch everything other than water,"
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that that really had a huge impact on um, the sore throats I kept getting. And I still am prone to sore throats, but it's so much better. Yeah, like I can go weeks now, sometimes without having a sore throat. Months sometimes.
0: That must be so frustrating though. You know, you wanted to be able to, you know, in the both aspects, you know, when a doctor says that you shouldn't really be doing this as a profession and then not being able to enjoy things like all, you know, all, all, all other kids in the world, yeah. you know, are enjoying in abundance, although it's unhealthy, you know, you should not always drink water. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it must be almost disheartening, but you've got the right attitude on your shoulders, you know, by saying, okay, you know, I want to achieve this. What can I do to make myself better? And you're going ahead and doing it. You know, if I were wearing a hat, I'd take it off of you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I said to my parents, like, if if it's between giving up music or giving up, you know, fizzy drinks, Mm -hmm. it's fizzy drinks, without a doubt. Like, I didn't even have to think about it. I just, I feel really connected to music and it's just... My Like I said, it's my whole life and I knew instantly that I wanted to do that no matter what. So I was going to make sure that I did everything in my power so that I could still sing and still make it more than a hobby because yeah. it is more than a hobby to me.
0: Going back to like as a kid then, I want to try and avoid the cliche questions as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> but what was it that actually got you singing and dancing and you know being a performer
1: honestly from the time I could walk and talk I've been singing and dancing um I mean I remember when we used to watch like the programs like um Britain's Got Talent and X Factor. Mm -hmm. I didn't even just want to sit down and watch them because that was, that was time I could be up singing and dancing (laughs) myself. So I'd be dancing around the room. I mean, honestly, I don't think my parents got to watch an episode in peace. Like (laughs) I'd be be going around the lounge. um, And I just always knew that if that was meant for me, I, um, when I was little and I wanted to go on Britain's Got Talent, my parents were like, you know, they didn't want me to do it when I was so little because it can be quite disheartening if somebody says, look, you know, you need to go away and work on this because it's not yeah at that standard, which I know a lot of the judges did say to performers. But I suppose if you're on stage and it's a big stage with a big audience and it's on TV... It, it can often be nerves and not actually a lack of technique. Yeah. So my parents thought I was so young and way, you know, way too young to be put under that kind of pressure, even though I think I was ready from the age of two. I wanted to be, I wanted to be up there. Yeah. Um. But I mean, finding country, like specifically, um, was a turning point because I used to go to stage school and do like musical theatre, which a lot of the, Kids in my surrounding area—that's what they do. um, They do musical theatre or pop. That's like the main genres. And I always loved singing anything, but when I found country, I was like, "This is my calling." There is no doubt about it because I instantly felt so much different to performing like a musical theatre piece. Yeah, it was insane—the the difference. Even though I thought I couldn't love it any more than I already did. I was what, wrong.
0: What was it that actually took you to country then? You know, what was what was the big shout out to you about it?
1: Well, my parents, we used to own a holiday home in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I always say to people, when you get in the car and you put on the radio over here, it's like pop music and all the main the mainstream songs. And yeah. over there, it was always modern country.
0: Yeah.
1: And... I knew I loved the music, listening to it on the radio. I knew I loved it. But I don't think, I was so young, I don't think I quite understood that it was much different to overhear. Yeah. It is hugely different. And I think I was so young when I first started going out there. I think my parents bought it when I was two. So I was so young that I don't think I realised the impact it was having on me. Yeah. And when the first so- country song that I learned to sing on stage was Marin Morris's My Church. Oh! I, and honestly, I, I just, I was like, this is it for me. Everything is so much different when you're singing the genre that you feel that connected to.
0: Out of all the songs to pick up on as well, My Church is such a it's such a ballad you know I, know I can't think of you know especially for a young girl you know your age I mean I call you a young girl though it's it's so bad of me because you're really not you're really mature in <laughs> what you say and how you act and what you do I mean we were talking just beforehand I was talking about like friends at school and you know yeah. and I can see straight away you know just By the way, you compose yourself, by the way, you talk and act. And by seeing your live streams, you are acting at like a 24, 25, 26 year old level.
1: (laughs) I've always, I mean, I think my experiences in school have kind of almost driven um, my passion for music because I, I knew I always loved it and I. I mean, th- there was no doubt about it from so young. I remember like infant school and primary school. I was such a people person. I still, I still am. Um, but I had like a lot of friends going through infant school and primary school. And that's kind of when kids, I mean, bullying, it tends to be less at those ages. It's more just, you know, if if you get pushed or something, it, it's just in the moment. It's not a campaign of bullying. Yeah. Um, but when I went up to comprehensive school, my whole school experience changed because I started to really push my music more and I was performing more and that was when I decided to go solo, really. I was year six in primary when I decided that rather than musical theatre, I was going to go solo and do, like, just be me on the stage. Um, So I kind of started a... um, music page for myself on like all social media okay. and that was really the only reason I was on social media I didn't I, I was like your typical tomboy playing in the <laughs> dirt that was my childhood I, I wasn't the kind of person who was into like Instagram and Facebook for, for that reason Um, but when I knew I was going to open up pages for my music I decided I had to take the social media seriously rather than for friends I preferred to do that in person yeah Um, and that was when people in school started to find my music pages and I just the bullying was awful it just um skyrocketed I mean I loved primary and I loved learning and I loved the social side but in comp I honestly I had my hood up even on a sunny day like I had my coat on my hood up just trying to you know get through the day
0: yeah that that's no way to live. It's, I mean, we always say that it's really really sad, and it's you know that 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 doesn't happen at my school. That doesn't happen at where I was, but it does. You know, and if it, if you didn't know it was happening, then it was probably you that was doing the bullying. That I mean, that's yeah. I was always bullied as a kid as well, just because I was different. Because I used to hang around with the other girls, you know, not like chasing after them, but no. just hanging around with them. People thought I was too girly or. And I wasn't out on the main playground playing football with everybody, yeah. and you know, people thought I was weird because of it. So I used to just hide myself in the library and just learn how learn about everything, really. And now, I'm, yeah,
1: you know, I used to say to my mum every day, like I'd be in the because my mum used to drop me off to school because I couldn't even go on the school bus. I was yeah. too like I was too afraid of you know what would happen before I even got to school, and it was only. A 10 minute bus journey but I, I just couldn't do it and my mum didn't want to put me through the bus journey and school and then knowing that I had to come back on the bus so she would drop me off every morning and pick me up every uh, every afternoon so I mean that was a huge thing for me that made it just a little bit easier and then I'd always have every day I had a text from my mum which I would get around break time yeah. um saying you know, are there any problems, are you okay, do you need, because it was that bad, there was something every day, and she said that she was always so worried, sending me into school, and I guess that's no way for your parents to live either, because they were always on eggshells as well.
0: That's so strange for you to think, For for me to listen to somebody say about texting at school, I was... I, I only just got a phone towards like the latter end of my school years, and I think it was like sixteen seventeen when I got like the first proper phone for myself, yeah, and uh, the same for like laptops and stuff, I had to go to the like public library to go on a computer, so <laughs> it's always, I find it always fascinating, you know listening to I mean I've got younger nieces and nephews, yeah, and when I hear about them having like phones and getting the phones taken off at school and yeah, it's so strange. I mean obviously it's normal for you because you're you go through this. But, yeah, I, they're so disgusting. I'm so... As as much as I don't condone violence, I just want to throttle some of the people that just bully. Really <laughs> teach know, them a lesson.
1: I think the worst part as well was, for example, like my brother has never enjoyed school, like the academic side, and I always have. And so he was not too keen on going up to comp. He was not really necessarily looking forward to it
0: yeah he was
1: always looking forward to the next half term or the next summer Mm -hmm. holiday I was for years before I went up to comprehensive school I was really excited I couldn't wait I was like this is going to be so awesome going up and being one of the older ones and my hopes for comprehensive school were shattered in the first three weeks I think because I. My ribs were fractured in the first three weeks of comprehensive school by really? a group of older girls. Yeah.
0: What, happened, what, what happened there?
1: So, yeah. So, uh, there are different like toilets in comprehensive. So there's like lower block and then there's the main block. Mm-hmm. And I was in the lower block coming from art yeah. and I had to go into the toilet and there was a group of older girls and... I'd seen them there a lot in in lessons outside the lessons they were always there yeah and I was like the smallest in in my whole year actually I was tiny like I was super short and they said oh she's so cute and I was I didn't really answer I was just like oh you know and then I went into the toilet and I heard them saying oh you know but the cute ones are always and then a swear word which I'm not gonna say yeah Um, so I was like oh no there's gonna be a problem like coming out of these toilets now. And so I came out and I had my head down. I go over to the sinks and, you know, they start just saying things, just little things here and there. And it turns into like a pen being thrown at me and then like threats. And and I was just like, oh my God. So I left and I told my mum straight away and the school said, oh, just um, don't go to those toilets. (sighs) So I was like, so I just, I'm not meant to go to the toilet during school. Um, my mum was like, oh, you know, just just try your best to avoid it. But this one day, and this was probably, like, a couple of weeks later, I had to go into the toilets again. I went in and they were there. And, again, this time the threats were worse. It was, like, death threats and this and that. And they wanted me to show them my art book. And my art book was in my bag. And I was like, no, <laughs> you know? yeah why and also I was really bad at art and I was very self-conscious of how bad my drawings were like they were bad and um, so I was like <laughs> no way like the, you can't convince me there's no way so then they caught me in the corridors when I was leaving and they were coming in and they kind of surrounded me because it was like a group of them so it was like a circle around me and one of the girls just took her elbow and she jabbed me in my side like in my ribs and I complained to my mum straight away I can't breathe and she was like I was always quite dramatic being a performer you know (laughs) so I think she thought you know you're fine
0: but
1: after a a good few days and I was still complaining and obviously because I was singing as well and I was trying to use my diaphragm it was like hurting so bad and I was saying to my mum I can't breathe I can't breathe so she takes me to the doctors and they checked me over and they were like yeah you've got fractured ribs and obviously then. They were like, how did that happen? And so the school found out, and it was just crazy. I mean, the girl said, who, who did it? Um, oh, I accidentally hit her with my bag. I was like, what was in your bag?
0: <laughs> it breaks.
1: Honestly, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> I was small, but I wasn't that small.
0: Yeah. That is... Yeah.
1: But that was just the beginning of so much more to come. If If I had thought it was going to get worse than that, I I wouldn't have believed myself, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, nobody ever deserves to be bullied. I mean, you know, coming from somebody who used to be bullied all the time and, you know, the amount of times where... It still affects me to this day. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I've done the...
1: Yeah.
0: The charity single. Um, but we're here to promote your music. So, but, you know it's affected me mentally you know I suffered depression anxiety and you know it took me out my confidence was basically shot from a very young age because long story short I was born in West Bromwich near Birmingham and then I moved to Wakefield when I was five and the school I was at I had this slight brummy accent and because I was different people used to pick on me constantly 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 how I used to speak And because of that, I then started to like try and hold it all in, you know, don't talk as much, only answer questions when asked. And I ended up having a bit of a, a bit of a, not a lisp, but almost like a, I used to stammer a bit. And every time I used to have to try and think about an answer, I'd have to really think and say it out slowly. Otherwise I'd be, I wouldn't be able to talk. And Obviously I've got rid of that now. It's taken a lot of years of myself training myself. But because of the bullying, it's it's done that. And I still I still take you know tablets for anti- antidepressants and stuff like that. How has yeah. it affected you? I mean, you've had I, it worse than what I had because mine was only just verbal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember this was kind of, I think year eight. Mm-hmm. So my second year in comprehensive school, I mean, the bullying had only gotten worse and probably year eight was like the, the peak. It, it was so bad in year eight. Um, and so I decided to audition for a performing arts school up in London and I knew it was a long shot. I mean, so many people auditioned for those things and it yeah. was to get a scholarship, but it wasn't a boarding school. So even though I would get, if, if I got it, I'd get a full scholarship to the school, I would have to find boarding in London. Mm-hmm. And We didn't realise that at the time. I, I thought it was all in one. So we went up to London. I had... A dance piece that I choreographed myself I didn't want to copy someone else's (laughs) choreography and then I had a monologue and a uh, a song I went up there and oh oh my god all the kids auditioning were in tutus they were all going to be doing ballet pieces I turned to my mum I was like am I meant to be a ballet dancer for this because I was doing it to shake it off by Taylor Swift yeah (laughs) it wasn't gonna be like every other piece and I went in and I did my, my whole thing. And I was obviously, I was very confident with my monologue and with my song, but seeing all the kids in tutus, pretty and pink and tights, and they looked beautiful. And yeah. here's my, I was kind of going for more of a sheer Lloyd look. I yeah. was like, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going for it. And right. they, I, I started to do this dance and I was like, yeah, I choreographed it myself and all this. And what they said to the dance was, well, that was unique. And I was oh. like, that could go one of two ways. That could either mean that was different and it was awful or that was different and it was great. So I was like, I'm just going to hold on to the the great, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and we had, I think it was an email to say, I got the scholarship and I was over the moon because I just thought I'd finally be accepted in a school that everybody was, you know, enjoyed performing and that was what everybody loved to do. So even though it's good to be different, we would have all been kind of in the same boat. Yeah. And then that was when we realised that it wasn't a boarding school. So we looked into boarding and it was really expensive. Mm -hmm. And so it would just be me, obviously, living in London. And I was so small, I was really young. And my parents didn't want me, one, travelling home every week on my own. And two, the boarding was so expensive, they said, you know, we could send you, we couldn't eat though. Like, they couldn't eat where they were. It yeah. just been in boarding school. Um, so I had to give that opportunity up, sadly. And then the year following that, when I went back to school, obviously I went back to the school that I was in already. Yeah. And I was sexually assaulted. Really? Yeah, so that was, I mean, year eight. That that was child's play because when I got to year nine, it got ten times worse. Yeah, Um, and so I came home after that happened and I told my mum and I, I, I've always been very open with my parents. Like they know everything, but I didn't want to tell my dad straight away because you know what dads are like. I honestly thought he was going to go crazy. Um, but I think it was two days maybe. And we told him and we went to the school and the school asked us not to involve the police. So we didn't at first. We wanted to see, you know, where it would go. And honestly, they, it was atrocious the way they dealt with it. My head of year uh, was, a, was a guy. He didn't want to speak to my dad because he, he didn't want to be involved. Yeah. The boy who did it admitted it. And they still didn't inform the police. They didn't really do anything. Um, and to top it all off, they held an assembly about it which obviously I didn't want to go in for, so I didn't go in. And then when I did go in later that day, all the other boys knew about it. I was like some sort of trophy and they were all, you know, slapping me on the bum and it just was so embarrassing.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So that obviously affected me quite a bit. And then the following year, this was during my exams, my parents, I'd been slapped in the face again by this boy and my parents were like, that's it. We're taking her out because she can't take anymore. Yeah. more. Um, so I came out and the school was so unsupportive. They said, all the results you've had from your, your, the exams you've already sat, we're keeping those results. You can't have them. And we had no reason to think that a, a professional in the school would lie, but that wasn't the truth they were my results so I thought I had to start from scratch so I was really worried that I wouldn't get any exam results yeah um and when I came out I said this in fact I was talking to my mum about this earlier but I spent so many years in that school with insults being hurled at me from every angle and every second of the day that when I came out I've felt almost like I was missing the insults because it felt like I had to try to, like, create that myself. So I would say bad things to myself, you know, because I felt that without people saying them to me, it was almost like, well, what's going on? But actually, that is how you should live your life without being insulted every day. And
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's almost like a verbal way of self-harm, in a sense.
1: Yeah, exactly, like... I came out and I always knew that I wanted to talk about my experiences to make it easier for other people. Um, And I actually did a programme called Teen Taxi back, I think, two years ago now. (laughs) It's crazy to think what time this year has just gone so fast and been so strange. Uh, But I think it was about two years ago. And I talked a lot about the bullying in that. And I had so many younger um, teenagers, people going through comprehensive at the time messaging me and saying how much they felt connected to my story because it was happening to them at the time. Yeah. And I just know that I want my platform to continue to grow so I can talk about my experiences and hopefully make it easier for people going through it at that time. Yeah, Because I always consider myself quite lucky because I'm so close to my parents. Like, so close, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Honestly, sometimes I think they're like, too much information, please stop talking. <laughs> but That's I know brilliant, a, though. Yeah, and I know a lot of people don't have that privilege and they don't feel like they can open up to their parents. And I can just only imagine how alone they feel if they're being bullied as well.
0: Yeah. And I, I just mean,
1: want people to know they're not alone.
0: That, that's so brave. That's... <laughs> I go back to what I was saying, you know, you're way more mature than your own years. You know, the, for anybody to even go through a quarter or a fraction of what you've been through so far in life, I mean, nobody, nobody ever deserves any form of verbal abuse, let alone physical abuse, let alone sexual abuse. You know, I wouldn't wish that upon any of my enemies.
1: Yeah I know that's what I always say because my parents obviously your parents are going to be protective over you and my parents say how much they hate the people that bullied me and I I say to them there's no I honestly don't see the need to dislike them I know like what they did to me and at the time I, I was obviously very upset and very affected by it I mean Like, the school week is obviously five days, Monday to Friday. But I often had a Friday off because I felt like I needed longer to recover. I Mm -hmm. felt like two days, the weekend, wasn't long enough. So I'd spend my Fridays, not in school, but lying down on the sofa, literally lying down all day. Um, But, I mean, I say to my parents, I don't dislike the people that did what they did to me because that's going to take up even more of my life. Because it takes so much more effort to dislike someone than it does to just kind of put it behind you. I don't agree with what they did, and I honestly hope they they don't do it to anybody else. But I don't dislike them because it's just... I don't think you should spend your life feeling like that about someone else.
0: Oh, no, exactly. I know know exactly where you're coming from as well, but the... I think the most shocking part about all of this isn't so much the bullying and the the assaults themselves, but it's the safeguarding from the schools. That's the most horrifying to me, is the the fact that people are supposed to protect you, really.
1: The response I had from the uh, welfare officer was nothing about the bullying. I thought, obviously, this meeting with the welfare officer was going to be to address the bullying and talk about a way forward, no it wasn't it was to say um she'd found my social media pages and until I was 16 obviously I wasn't wait no yeah 16 and I wasn't 16 yet I wouldn't be allowed to perform she told she tried to and I said to her you are trying to take away the only thing that's gotten me through and she Mm -hmm. was like you know I've found those pages. She contacted one of the organisers to a music event that I was doing and told her categorically that I wouldn't be performing. And she actually made the organiser of this charity event cry.
0: That is disgusting. Yeah, so... It feels like there needs to be like a special panorama episode, you know, of like schools and staff. I mean, hopefully these teachers and these you know, heads of years and <clears throat> the welfare officers aren't there anymore because if they can't do a simple thing as protect a young girl in a safe space, then what yeah. can they do?
1: Honestly, I mean, it's just surreal to actually think back about it because at the time I was just focusing on getting through, getting through it. and But now that I think back about it and when I tell people, because I'm really open about my story and I want people to know about it because I think every story deserves to be told but when I do tell people about it I think to myself wow like I can't believe what I'm actually saying I can't believe the words coming out of my mouth because Mm -hmm. it's crazy to think that all of that happened I suppose like things do happen in school a lot and I know a lot of people experience bullying but if it was just one of those those things it would have been bad enough but the fact that it was just one thing after another just made it all despicable. the yeah. despicable.
0: How was it? How was obviously going through all that? Has it affected the way you approach songwriting and approaching
1: your music? Yeah, it's definitely given me a perspective, um, and I think it's helped hugely with my songwriting because I do enjoy to write fun songs that you kind of don't have to think you can just dance and you could listen to it on repeat but I also think it's really important to write those songs that have a deeper meaning and I actually haven't released any yet that are about my personal experiences but in my upcoming EP which is going to be released early 2021 there are going to be some songs in there that are much more personal and do tell my story And I hope that even, like, further in the future, I can continue to kind of tell, to open up about the story even more because there's a fine line between overdoing it in a song and also just pulling it back slightly so they can listen and relate their own experiences to it. So there is, like, a fine line.
0: Yeah. I mean, while you mentioned about the dancing... I've just been reading the. I basically get given an email by Rachel, basically yeah. saying, here's, here's the next song. You know, this is like a brief bio. And there's a nice little quote at the bottom. Of this I'm going to talk about this song later on. Yeah. Because it's the like main event. This is, this is supposed to be the main event. Yeah. And the quote is, I want people to hear it and get up and dance like nobody's watching. That is how every song should be. You know yeah. every every upbeat and happy song. I mean, the the song in question, yeah, is such. I'm, I'm just gonna say it, it, it's a Christmas kiss, and yeah. it's been released very very soon on the fourth of yeah. December. And yeah, that's such a such a great little quote.
1: I'm so excited for it to be released, and I just I do hope, especially at Christmas. I know people do have Christmas songs playing in their house on like the lead up to Christmas day and I hope that they get to listen to this song and they just want to get up and dance and I felt like I had to put in there like nobody's watching because I've met so many people over the years that almost feel embarrassed to let loose and just enjoy themselves and if I'm ever dancing which I do a lot (laughs) and it's not (laughs) really (laughs) Um, I just I don't even think about it. It's not even really about even on stage, it's not really about choreographing a routine. It's just about feeling the music and completely just letting yourself go and do whatever feels right in the moment. And that's what yeah. I hope people feel they can do when they listen to this song.
0: Talking about dancing, please tell me you remember the choreographed dance you did for that school.
1: Honestly. I do not remember it to the T. I know there was a lot of leaping involved. There was a lot of jumping around the stage. I was very enthusiastic and energetic, but um, no, I don't don't remember the full routine. Hopefully there's a video somewhere because I practiced it a lot beforehand, before going up to London. And I wanted to obviously watch back and see how it looked. So there should be a video somewhere.
0: Basically, where I'm going with that is hopefully there is a video. <coughs>
1: Sorry,
0: <laughs> hopefully there is a video because I'd love to see it, and I'd love the world to see because I, I know how. I mean, just we're speaking via Zoom at the moment, and we get to see each other face to face, and we get to you know interact. And just seeing you talking about the whole dancing, your face lights up. It's so uh, great to see.
1: Honestly, I've always kind of when I went to, when I used to go to stage school, I think it's really hard for dance teachers and choreographers to teach me because I'm much more of a spontaneous <laughs> uh, dancer who, I, I like to do my own choreography. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember, like I said, I've always kind of been the shortest in my class or in my dance, you know, anything that I've done, I've, kind of being the shortest and when I used to be in stage school and in the dance class my dance teacher honestly I I take my hat off to her that she could teach me anything to be honest (laughs) but she used to put me at the back of the dance. And I was the shortest, so for one, I I could really only see the person in front of me, but Mm -hmm. I know that nobody else in the audience could see me. So, but I I kind of get where she's going with that.
0: I could do my
1: own, I I was better doing like, if it was like a trio or if it was a duet or like a solo dance, Mm -hmm. I was better at that because it's much more intimate and you kind of have more of a say in the routine. Yeah. When it was group dances, I'm pretty sure I was doing my own thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hide you at the back and let yeah. let's let, let just get on with it.
1: And she used to say, she used to say, okay, everybody sit down. And I'd go to sit down she'd say, except for Caitlin. And I'd be like, oh no. <laughs> and then she'd be like, can you do the routine for the class, please? And I'm like, we all know I can't. <laughs> because I'm just doing my own thing. Like, Why
0: are you doing this to me? <laughs> just let me sit you know, down.
1: I think, I think she thought... If she could just get through to me and embarrass me a little bit, maybe I would focus on really learning the routine that she was giving us. But it just didn't work that way.
0: <laughs> no chance.
1: I was just doing my own. Yeah, I was just doing my own thing.
0: Too right though. I mean, that whole spontaneity—you know—it really does show. You know, in terms of that bubbly personality, as soon as you start getting caged, I know when you're doing a choreographed group routine, you know, you've got to follow each other because. It, it's all about yeah. being sink and it's like synchronized swimming and you know you can tell if like one leg kicks slightly out compared to the others so, you know it's so be- <laughs> but you know as soon as you start like caging somebody basically trying to drill into them not to be free yeah. you take away that charisma you take away that youthfulness
1: yeah like, I used to come home to my mum and I'd be like oh, I'm so bad at dancing Um, But now I've kind of learned over the years, you just shouldn't care. You just need to be you. Because in this world, there is is enough room for everybody to be different and for everybody to be unique and have something that is special to them. And I just realized in the end that that's where I wanted to go. I wanted to be somebody who could hopefully inspire other people to want to be themselves and not to want to be like everybody else and to fit in.
0: Now, to go into your first song, The Dream. Yeah. Where, where is the inspiration from that? Where, where did you drum this up from? I mean, I've, I, I was listening to it in the car on the way home. And I was, I've, I've, got like, I've got Apple Music and I can pull up like yeah. lyrics at the same time. And I was looking at the lyrics and I was trying to follow along. And even I was getting tongue-tied
1: how honestly this was the first song i fully sat down and was like well my first country song because i've always song i've always enjoyed songwriting from like when i was really really little and i mean honestly they they're hardly songs when you listen to them now but when i sat down and wrote the dream i knew i wanted it to be a song that people could line dance to because Mm -hmm. at the time. A lot of the events I was going to, people were like, we want a line dance, do you have something? And I thought, what better than to write my own song they could line dance to? Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to put it out there. I've never had a boyfriend uh, because I've always been so invested in my music and just always been so music-orientated. Everything has just been about that. But this song, I wanted it to be fun and young and just really relate to people. And from what I've heard, like I said, I haven't spent heaps of time with people my age, but when I have talked to to young people, they've always talked about, you know, this boyfriend that wasn't serious and then the next boyfriend that was a little bit more serious, but still wasn't right for them. And I wanted to just really incorporate that into this song.
0: Yeah, no, I totally, I totally get that. I mean, I've, I've plenty, plenty of partners, and you know I use that term um, loosely. And there's been <laughs> some relationships that's lasted a week. There's been some that's lasted a day. There's been some that have lasted for six, uh, four years, and six years. Yeah. And I can tell you honestly, particularly at your age now, because you're still, you're still quite young. Boyfriends, or girlfriends, for everyone else out there, you know. Not the be all and end all.
1: No. You know, that's you focus that's, on yourself. Yeah, that's what I always said to my mum. I just think I well, I was so young and I still am young and and without really knowing who you are, I, I do feel like the years I've spent not wanting in relationships. I've got gotten to know myself. And I think yeah. that's a gift that a lot of people don't allow themselves. Because it is all down to you at the end of the day if you want to kind of get to know yourself before you get into a relationship because I think it's so hard to love someone else before you truly understand where you are and who you are and if you like yourself. Yeah. Because so many people I've met and they have such low self-esteem, but they've got a boyfriend of three, four years and they're my age or younger. And I just think that you need to take that time out to really get to know yourself and to enjoy your time where you can really meet all your own needs before you try and meet somebody else's.
0: Have you ever seen RuPaul's Drag Race?
1: No, I actually haven't, but I've heard a lot about it.
0: There's a... I was talking to Crystal McGrath yesterday about it, and there's a saying that she always uses. Now, it's if you can't love yourself, how on earth are you supposed to love somebody else? Yeah. along those lines yeah. and they they all say it at the end and they all say you know can i get an amen and they all like go amen and then they all walk <laughs> off fantastic series you know if you're into like drag queens I, I was never into drag i mean i've i've got i've been to like the viaducts and stuff in leeds yeah. which is like a drag bar and it's a fantastic night out you know so if you're yeah. ever older you know it's a fantastic it's, it's an entertaining night out and being able to watch it on TV, you know, it's, it's particularly American drag race because of the whole stigma over there. Um, it's great to see this, them letting go. And using that phrase there, you know, if you, can't, if you can't love yourself, how on earth are you supposed to love somebody else? I take that, you know, every day that I can. I mean, there's been so many times where I've struggled to love myself.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and it, yeah, it goes, sure- you know, in terms of the boyfriends.
1: I do totally agree with that because, I, like I said, I do feel really lucky because my parents have always been really supportive and they've always allowed me to follow my dreams and encouraged it. And I think the time I've spent with such um, a supportive family and also just not getting caught up in boyfriends and relationships – has just really given me a chance to explore who I am as a person. And I think that has helped my songwriting no end. And I just, I, I am grateful for it because I know so many people have just felt in a way that they could, they didn't have that time to, exp- to really explore who they are.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, mum and dad, can you, can you just close your ears for a second? <laughs> have, is there ever, have you ever had a boy you know a friend that's been a boy that, or a girl that's a girl yeah you've thought oh they're quite cute or you know you've had yeah. like smiles for grins for
1: yeah um oh honestly my my i say dating stories like i said i have i have never really had a boyfriend but mm-hmm. when i was in year six and it was my leavers concert which Always happens for the people going up to comprehensive. We were doing a view here of Bugsy Malone. Yeah, we were doing Bugsy Malone, and I was Blousy Brown, and the boy who got Bugsy Malone, I did think he was quite cute um, at the time, and you know because we were boyfriend and girlfriend in the show, it was kind of like everybody was like, oh, they're boyfriend and girlfriend in real life, and you know a peck on the cheek and. Things and obviously there was an audience uh, watching the show once it once yeah. we finished rehearsals, and so yeah, I would say that's probably the closest I've gotten to having a crush. And we did kind of off and on, flirt, I, I guess. But it was it was very young. I remember he sent me a video. I'm trying to think what it was called. Um, well, two actually. He was he was very romantic, and he sent me one video which I think is called Perfect Two, a song called Perfect Two. That, and he also sent me, oh, is it Marry You or Marry Me by Olly Murs?
0: Yes, what? yes, um, Marry You.
1: Oh. Yeah, so he sent me those two videos and honestly, at the time, I was like, wow, he is Prince Charming, you know?
0: <laughs> a little crooner.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I've had, other than that, two, I would loosely call them dates. One of them we were gonna go ice skating and from the start I I made it very clear that it was a friend date because Mm -hmm. this was after I left school um because of the bullying and I came out to obviously homeschool myself. Yeah. So we went ice skating and I was like how are we gonna get there? Because he he was the one who asked me to go. And he was like, oh I don't know, I didn't think that far. And I was like oh great thanks. so I asked my parents and they couldn't because they were in work. So I said to my Bamp, could he take me? But just him turned up. We, he, he picked me up. It was my Bamp, my nan and my cousin. Yeah. So I went on a date with this boy, my Bamp, my nan and my cousin. They all came. Like yeah. they all came ice skating with me. I was like, <laughs> oh. And he was like, oh, they're, they're really sweet. And I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, that was the end of that
0: here's the family
1: yeah i was like yeah, yeah just why not (laughs) just get it all done in one one sitting why not and um another time i went to subway with this boy and i didn't like i didn't really think this far ahead and honestly he he might end up listening to this (laughs) but oh well um (laughs) We went and he ordered he went first, he ordered a six inch. And I was thinking yeah. to myself, Well, my plan was to have a foot long, but I can't exactly buy a foot long now that he's bought a six inch, can I? So Oh you can. I was already disappointed <laughs> and I bought myself a six inch. And then we sat down and I was like, Okay, I feel really awkward. I, I just don't feel like I can eat eat my sandwich in front of him. So, really? oh. yeah, so This whole time, I'm just sipping on my drink, and he's eating his sandwich. And he finishes his sandwich, and I haven't taken one bite of mine yet. So he goes to the bin to put his stuff in the bin. And Subway is really small, Mm -hmm. so the bin was so close to us. By the time he'd come back from the bin, my whole sandwich was gone. (laughs) I literally, I just, (laughs) and he goes to sit down, and he goes, and I go, "Are you ready to go?" And he goes, "Uh, uh, "Oh." Um, <laughs> and I was just like that's <laughs> oh, so funny oh god and, and that was our one and only date <laughs> oh that's
0: well th- there's two things in particular you know I'm I'm gonna hate you now forever because I'm gonna have my name is Tallulah in my head
1: oh yeah
0: it's one of the catchiest songs from Beauty yeah. Malone I mean I just love their pie guns <laughs> and the second thing is What is your Subway sandwich of choice?
1: Okay, so I've always, when I was little and I first had my first Subway sandwich, it was always teriyaki chicken and with no salad, because I'm very unhealthy. (laughs) Um, Really? (laughs) Plain bread. And I'm trying to think of the sauces: honey mustard, sweet onion, and chipotle Southwest. Okay. But I've gone through three subway phases over the years. Um, My second one was the spicy tuna, but they didn't have that on the menu for very long. Mm -hmm. And my current subway order is the BMT with, with, peppers and onions, so I've got a bit better with my salad, and um, the same sauces.
0: See, mine was always, I've not had Subway in years now, but whenever I used to go, I used to get like a, either a Italian, the Italian bread with all like the herbs and cheeses on mm. it, I used to get it toasted, but instead of like sauces and stuff, I used to get the meatball marinara
1: sauce. Oh yeah.
0: So I used to have that, and then I used to get like the Italian meat. And then, like, loads of cheese on top of it, have that toasted with some, like, gherkins and the bittersweet corn, a bit of pepper, and yeah. then it'd be like a pizza. Oh, so yeah. You said like a pizza sandwich, it would great.
1: People, whenever I get my order, because my sauces have always been the same, yeah. um, oh, the sauce is like the best part, it just really adds to the sandwich. And um, people always say that is such a weird choice of sauces like, to go together. But I think it's incredible. Like, anybody who hasn't tried that combination of sauces, they need to, because See, it is incredible.
0: Whenever Before I found, like, my dream, you know, before I found my sandwich, you know, I used to try all yeah. the different sauces, and I never thought to get, like, multiple sauces. I was always like, okay, then, so it's select a sauce. You know, I've always been conditioned to this, you can only have one.
1: Yeah, like, I have always been a very... Okay, I'm going to change my choice of words. I was going to say I've always been a very saucy person, but then I was like, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> but um, I've always been that person who needs to have sauce with like, pretty much every meal. Yeah. like. And I used to, my snack, my go-to snack, I don't know if this is normal. In my household, it's always been normal, but people look at me really strange when I say it. But my go-to snack has always been bread and sauce. Just bread, and you mop it up with the sauce. That's
0: nothing wrong with that
1: I like, that's a good that's a good snack
0: what about and gravy
1: it's easy what
0: about gravy bread and gravy
1: so there's a story I've got about gravy I used to love gravy and like Sunday dinners and mm-hmm. and then when I was 10, 10 or 11 maybe I fell off a wall and I fractured my skull
0: okay you the walls you
1: I, I know I know <laughs> And from that day onwards I have hated gravy. I can't smell it or taste it. I I hate it. It makes me feel sick.
0: I'm just trying to wonder the the correlation between falling off a wall and then suddenly not liking gravy. <laughs> <laughs> did you slip on Did you fall off the wall and landed some gravy by any chance?
1: Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I am um, I yeah, I hit my head and Fractured my skull, and I think it—it just—it just changed me.
0: It just <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some, sometimes when people get hit in the head, they either like learn a new language or they yeah. learn to read Latin.
1: That would have been so handy. Or <laughs> it would have been really handy if I woke up and I could play guitar. But no, that didn't happen.
0: <laughs> what? But I mean, I'm looking behind you, and there's some lovely guitars.
1: Yeah, that that is my guitar called Luna, mm-hmm. and I had her for Christmas, but I didn't start learning until March. Yeah. So I've always wanted to learn guitar, especially because it goes so well with country. Yeah, um, but I've always been kind of sceptical because I tried to learn piano when I was little, and it did not work. Like it, it, it didn't. It didn't. I'd, I'd never really got the hang of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, oh, maybe instruments are not for me. But so far, I've loved the experience of learning guitar, and I do feel like it's going quite well. So, fingers crossed, it just keeps getting better and better.
0: What's your favourite tune to play on the guitar now, then?
1: I would... It's a... Uh, mm, it's a coin toss between Ladylike by... Ingrid Andress and Bluebird by Miranda Lambert ooh really but yeah I really I really enjoy like playing those I think maybe not my favourite songs of all time but when it comes to playing guitar they're my two favourite at the moment
0: yeah I mean when if if you listen to this after Wednesday the what day is it Wednesday (sighs) Uh,
1: I don't. I never know what day of the week it is anymore.
0: It'll be Wednesday. It'll be release day
1: on Wednesday. Oh wow! it's got it's come along so fast this time around? What? No, that's November.
0: <laughs> oh, so <Second>. oh. <laughs> Never mind. Oh my! It's it's Friday the fourth of December. Is release day for your new single. But yeah. on the Wednesday, it's the second. It's two days before release day. I just I was looking at my calendar and I forgot to scroll down for December. I was still <laughs> in November. <laughs> well,
1: my,
0: what am I What am I like?
1: <laughs> this year has been so bad for the day of the week and dates. People say, Oh, what's the date? Or like you have to write it on a form? And I'm like, I obviously couldn't tell you.
0: I mean, I've got a watch that tells me the day, so it's it, I'm usually fine on the day, but Asked me, you know, what day is it in five days' time? Um, yeah.
1: I know, my <laughs> brother came home yesterday. I mean, I'm assuming he's right with this, I don't know. He came home, he was like, it's 29 days till Christmas. On the 30th day, it's Christmas. And I was like, <laughs> that was so random. He's 16 as well. He, he was just like so excited. And I was like, that is so random. This year, I, honestly, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you when Christmas is yet, like the only thing that usually alerts me to how close Christmas is is the the um screen in Asda, like mm-hmm. when you go in Asda and you come out and it's like forty sleeps until Christmas or this <laughs> <laughs> but this year we've barely we've barely gone shopping, or if we have it's been as quickly as possible get in, get out because yeah. it's been so hectic in the shops, so I mean the last time we went to Asda was weeks ago, so. Really, yeah. I mean, we like ASDA used to be our go-to shop because I'm not. I'm not sure if they still are owned by Walmart, but they they were owned by Walmart, weren't they?
0: They were. I'm not sure if they are anymore. I think it's recently been sold off.
1: Yeah, and Walmart is like my favourite shop of all time. I love it. It's like supermarket. It's like supermarket heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, ASDA has always been our go-to shop over here um but kind of since this pandemic we've been to whatever shop has been the less the least crowded
0: yeah least crowded are actually half past the ring
1: <laughs> yeah
0: or toilet rolls
1: toilet, toilet roll, yeah.
0: but yeah i remember i remember years back because when i first went to america it was in 2003 yeah and i went to florida i went to orlando yeah. and i went into a walmart and I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, this place is, is had like two of, I think it even had three tiers to it. And I remember it just going so deep and it was so wide and there was massive escalators and
1: that's where my love of Subway came from, because in, in Walmart, there was a Subway and mm-hmm. you know, Subway has this distinct smell that just like, yeah pulls you in you just want to go in and whenever we went to Walmart I could not leave without a subway I was just like we need a subway so and then my mum ended up getting so sick of subway because we went so much (laughs) but honestly whenever I come go to um subway over here it kind of reminds me of of Florida it just brings me back
0: (sighs) what where else have you been on holiday then
1: so when we had um Florida that was like That was where we went every year and I wouldn't have had it any other way. I wanted to just, I wanted to be there all the time. Yeah. Um, But then we sold it a couple of years ago, which is my biggest regret, even though it was not my choice. It was my my biggest regret. Um, (laughs) Like
0: you had anything to change with it.
1: I know. Like it it was not up to me, but you know, but I I can promise you, my parents regret and I was like, you should, you should have listened to me. Yeah. But um, we've been to Mexico since and Lanzarote and Mexico is definitely like second on the list. Mexico was an amazing holiday and Lanzarote was nice to get away, but it was, it didn't, it definitely wasn't my favourite holiday.
0: (laughs) Is there any plans for your parents to take you to Nashville anytime soon?
1: Well, we were meant to go this year. Yeah. And for, I think for the past three years, we've meant to go in the summer. But also it was probably three years ago then that I was filming for Teen Taxi because we were planning to go to Nashville. Um, I had a spotlight show out there and I was going to be recording a, a, an album of covers. Yeah. Um, and then I was scheduled to be filming for Teen Taxi so we couldn't go because the filming was over the summer. Yeah. But next year, we were like, okay, this is the year. But then they did a second season of the TV show, so I had to stay for that. (laughs) (laughs) And then this year, we were like, this is the year. We are are going no matter what. And then a global pandemic hit, so, you know... Perfect timing. Yeah, it, it was just... Yeah, it's been crazy. But I am kind of a firm believer in you know, what's meant to be will be and God's got a plan for you and the, it'll happen when the timing is right. So maybe 2021 will be the year.
0: Well, happy to tell you on the other line right now when I just accept them in, is your parents about to... No, I'm not going to do it to you. <laughs> you never know, It might, might be a Christmas present, it could be, oh. it could be a birthday oh. present.
1: I know, I've that would just be amazing. I, I just really want to go to Nashville and just. Well, I really want to move to Nashville. I would, <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, yes. But my, my parents are like, you can't move there before you've even gone there to visit. But I was like, I already know I'm going to like it. <laughs> i like already got a
0: house here, ready for me.
1: Yeah, exactly. It. <laughs> and it's only like an hour and a half flight from Nashville to Florida, so th- there is no better place to be. Like exactly. It's really, if you were living in Florida, you could go to Nashville whenever you wanted for a weekend. Or if you were living in Nashville, you could go to Florida whenever you wanted for a weekend.
0: Or what you do is you all move to Nashville. You obviously develop your career there and they can all get jobs and then eventually save up to get another house in Florida. And then they can move over to Florida and you can stay in Nashville and go visit them for the holidays.
1: Yeah, exactly. Perfect. I always... I Say to my parents, like, I've got it all planned out. And they're like, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that. I'm like, not if you set your mind to it, you know? You just, We could just go. Let's just go. Exactly.
0: The only limitation is the limitation you put on yourself.
1: Exactly. I've always said to my parents, like, I, I know I'm going to get out there and I'm going to live there. I, it's more than a dream. Yeah. It's like, it's there. It's going to happen.
0: Have you ever... Gone online and then looked at like house prices and like oh. found your dream place to move and a uh, job. I, I
1: do. I do it multiple times a week. <laughs> I, I, I'm up to date on all the latest listings. And then when when the house that I like go gets um, bought, I'm like, that, that's unbelievable. We 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 didn't get it quick enough.
0: Yeah. <laughs> damn this <laughs> COVID.
1: I know. Literally, oh god. But yeah, I, I'm like running down the stairs and I'm like, Mum, look at this house. It's perfect. <laughs> she's like, this child.
0: (laughs) See, it's it's never a bad thing to have really, really high dreams or high expectations because it gives you something to strive for.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: If you set your standard quite low, then you're just going to fall short. When you get there, it's going to be like, well, what else am I going to do now?
1: That's what I always say to my parents because often, I mean, my parents... Like I said, I'm I'm so close to them, and they know me like the back of their hand. So they they know that I dream as big as I possibly can. Yeah, and I never stop dreaming. But when I tell other people about like my big plans and my big dreams, they laugh, and so I think n- not in a nasty way, just in a way that I think they think I'm saying it like tongue in cheek. But I'm like, no, that that is the that is the plan. Yeah, and yeah. I I just. I think, I always say to my parents that if you reach for the moon and you fall short, you'll still land on the stars. But if you reach for anything less than that... You're
0: just going to hit Everest?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Going from Nashville then, a candle for Christmas, your first Christmas single this year. Yeah. What was it that actually made you think, you know what? I've got the dream out now. So instead of writing, say, another I'm gonna call I'm gonna use quotation marks like standard song. You know, a song yeah. that'll be played at any other point of the year. You decide yeah. to go for a song that will only be played throughout one month in a twelve month period.
1: Honestly, talk about making it hard for yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not only you do it once, but you've done it twice with a Christmas kiss.
1: I know. honestly, I think I whenever I feel inspiration hit for a song, I I never push it aside and wait for like a more convenient time, you know? Right time, that. yeah. So I always write it as soon as I've got the idea so that I don't lose the momentum and I don't lose the idea. So when I first had this idea for a candle for Christmas, I just started writing it and it really flowed and turned into something I was really excited about yeah. and obviously I wrote that at like probably March or maybe a little bit later than that so that's a really weird time to get inspiration <laughs> for a Christmas song, but you know <laughs> yeah and obviously we had so much time on our hands with the lockdown and obviously it's a really sad song and a really tragic story Um, But we have connections to military personnel, like family, friends from when we were over in Florida. And I just really wanted to salute them because I think it's such a hard job, you know, to have such a hard responsibility. Yeah. And it's just, we should all be so grateful. And I wanted to show how grateful I am for every single person who puts their their lives on the line and I wanted to just show my respect for them in in that song and also for all the families who've lost people
0: no I I totally get that I mean when I went to college to study because I work as an engineer full-time yeah you know as opposed to this um during my college days I was friends I, I had a very close friend and her her best friend died in afghanistan in a uh, because of an ied and every year you know it's especially around remembrance day you know you really feel you know you can feel the sorrow you know you can just tell by the way she's even doing a facebook post you know it just isn't as bright and bubbly as it it would normally be
1: yeah
0: and i've got i've got family that have served in the army I've had family that serve currently in the army, and you know i i when I listen to a kind of Christmas you know it really particularly you know the line where you, you say you know heaven's waiting heaven's waiting room yeah. and you, you just really it holds you back and first time I listened to it, you know I kind of like held my breath I was like. <gasps> I just wanted to, I I didn't know whether to cry or whether to smile or whether to...
1: Yeah, because I wanted it to be the type of song that people who are either currently going through missing somebody or who have gone through losing someone who's served, I wanted them to be able to obviously listen to the song and remember them. But I didn't want, I wanted it to be... I'm trying to think of the right words. I want it to be something that they could be proud of as well. Yeah. So they could listen to that song and they could be proud of the people that they've lost or even the people who are still here, but they can still be proud of them. And I know that Christmas time especially must be so hard for people who can't spend it with the ones that they love. Yeah. And it's a huge sacrifice, not only for the person who is serving their country, but also for the family. Because you give up so much. And I just really wanted to be able to write a song that people can feel proud of and feel connected to. Um, but then, as time went on, and obviously we've all had such an awful year, mm-hmm. I was like, this song wasn't necessarily meant... Uh, for this year, because obviously it's not really COVID-related, even, even if it might bring people closer because of this year. Yeah. Um, I decided it's been such an awful year. The only way to kind of turn this around is to write a second Christmas song that is happy. Yeah. And that people can, yeah, so people can have a more joyous feeling when they listen to it. So I wrote that. Um, during... Probably at the end of summer. Like I said, the time is going so, it's it's all been so strange. It's hard to really pinpoint exactly when you wrote it. Um, But yeah, towards the end of the summer, I think. And so hopefully this song will offer a completely different perspective.
0: Yeah, um, Rachel wrote it in the thing, in the email, the original email that I got, just trying to scan through it quickly. Oh yeah, it's a quote that you you put as well, is I wrote this song towards the end of summer 2020 lockdown in the hope of raising some spirits after the year we've all had. I know a lot of people have been left feeling very downhearted and this song is to remind everyone of the joys of Christmas so find that special summer makes this year unforgettable for all the right reasons, which is so true. I mean, you know, we've all had such a, a horrible year. I mean... Particularly for when you actually wrote the song in you know, the back of the end of summer we yeah. we all just ended this like long period of the first lockdown, and there was always there was already talks of the new lockdown
1: yeah
0: and you know it's it, it it's been such a I'd I want to say the year's been a write off because it hasn't no. in a way you know yes we've we've all lost people that we love you know we've all been. Kept away. I mean, I've, I've mentioned this quite a few times over these past few weeks. My aunt and uncle—they literally live. I could throw a stone out my bedroom window and I could hit their house. Um, you know, it, but yeah, I can't go see them because I they're classed vulnerable. She's it's,
1: yeah, it's like dangling a carrot but then taking it away.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because,
1: yeah, because I know for us, actually, a lot of our family don't live close to us, so we don't tend to see them a lot anyway. But it's kind of been extremely amplified this year, the fact that even if we wanted to, we couldn't.
0: Hi, Caitlin. Hi. So yesterday, we actually started this podcast yesterday and we had the the technical gremlins where my Audacity, the software that I use to record audio, just randomly quit and it deleted everything. But luckily, we're doing this through Zoom. So yes, and for some reason, for some unknown reason, it was recording. So everything that you've just listened to in this first half was saved. It's, it's it's saving grace for it.
1: I know, honestly, things like that never happen. That's crazy.
0: It's so frustrating, but we'll carry on. So the next link I wanted to talk about was something that you did back in 2019. Yeah. And you know what it is, you know what we're talking about. So I wanted to know more about like the whole Carrie Underwood stuff.
1: Yeah, so that was honestly such an incredible journey. Um, So that was actually going to be my first ever concert that I'd been to. I'd never been to a concert before. Honestly, I'm a fraud <laughs> when it comes, to, like all my life music playing such a huge part but I'd never actually been to a concert um so that was gonna be my first concert and my parents were gonna book it and it was gonna be a surprise yeah so I I was like totally unaware but when they booked it it came up saying that Carrie Underwood was holding like auditions for people well for somebody to get up on stage with her and perform with her yeah so they were like well we can't not tell her because she will never forgive us so my mum told me and I was like yes I'm auditioning so I sent in my audition and it said you'd find out a week before the actual show yeah so a week came and a week went and I turned to my parents I said if I can't get this and this is actually country what can I get yeah like so um yeah so I was a little bit bummed about that but I wanted to try and keep my spirits high because it was like still go I was still going to be going to see Carrie Underwood. And then a couple of days before the concert my dad rang. He was in work. He rang me and my mum. And he was like oh you've just had an email from Carrie Underwood's team and I was like oh this is it this is it. And um so me and my mum were so excited and then he said yeah you've got a meet and greet with Carrie Underwood. You've won a meet and greet. Yeah. So I was like oh I don't think I've ever been more, more <laughs> disappointed you know I had a meet and greet with Carrie it. I was like oh I, I said to my mum I'm going back to bed
0: yeah <laughs> it's just not the same
1: I know so so my mum was like well you know it's fine because that's still incredible that's still an awesome opportunity so I um you know just tried to put it to the back of my mind and then that evening my mum was on the phone to her mum and my grandparents live in Spain. So it's, we don't really get to see them that often. So my mum really cherishes the phone calls she gets for them. Yeah. So yeah, a phone call came through while she was on the phone to my my mum. But she ignored it because she was like, no, I'm going to finish my conversation with my mum. And then when she hung up, she checked her voicemail and it was like, hey, this is this is Shelly from Carrie Underwood's team. And my mum was like, oh my God, she freaked out. And me and my brother come into the kitchen. My mum's crying. We were like, what's wrong? Who Who's died? Yeah. Like we, we were freaking out. And um, she was like, you've got it. And I was like, got got what? And she yeah. was like, you've got it. You're singing with Carrie Underwood. And I was like, oh my God. Because I had totally put that like out of my mind because for one, those seven days had, you know, come and gone. But also, I had an email that morning and it was nothing to do with that. So I would totally forgotten about that. I wasn't even thinking. That yeah. wasn't even in my head anymore. So that was just an amazing surprise. But it was crazy to think. It was only two days before the concert. My mum was like, when she spoke then to Shelley from Carrie Underwood's team, she was like, so are they... Having a rehearsal, you know, when because we thought it was going to be seven days before at least that we yeah. would find out. Yeah. She was like, "No, it's just it all just happens on the night, you know. It's just if ever, <laughs> you just do your <laughs> how thing." It goes, on the night. How it goes? Yeah. So my mum was like, "Oh my god, that's crazy!" And my parents, I mean, they didn't say it to me, but afterwards they were like, said how worried they were because I I always love sing, singing on stage, and for me, the bigger the crowd, the better, and I always say that. But they'd never seen me in front of a crowd of 7,000 people. Yeah, so they didn't know yeah. how I was going to react on the night. But I, I I didn't even give it a second thought. I, I knew I was going to love it. I didn't. They, there were no no real nerves. I was just really excited. And I was like, I'm just so glad that I'm going to this concert not only to watch, but to perform.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, yeah, on the night, we turned up. So I met Ben Carrie Underwood in the meet and greet. And they were like, her team or her crew were like don't say you know that you're singing with her make sure it's a surprise because we haven't she doesn't know Uh, well obviously she knew someone was singing with her but she didn't know who apparently so I go in to meet her and I didn't say anything like they said and they've all got like cameras and they're filming and taking photos and the first thing she says she like points at me and she's like I'm singing with you later. And I was like, oh my God, you know. <laughs> and I had all that on film and it was just crazy. I think it was to get the like raw reaction. Yeah. And it was just insane. And she was so nice. She was so down to earth because people always say, don't meet your heroes. So even even though I had no nerves about performing, if there was something I was slightly nervous about, it was probably meeting her and talking to her because you don't know how people are going to turn out when you meet them in person. Yeah. When when they've got, like, so many fans and so many followers, you, you don't know how that's, like, affected a person, but she's still so down to earth. hmm Definitely. Um, and she was like, I've watched your YouTube videos, and I know that you're a performer, so make the stage your own. Oh. Yeah, so I was like, oh, my God, you've seen my YouTube videos for a start. Um, But I said to my mum as well that... No, no matter what because i didn't know what to expect when i met her no matter what i was i was going to move on the stage because that's natural to me i was like even if she says stand on this x and don't move i was going to be like everywhere <laughs> on the stage but it, oh it was it was amazing
0: that is like a dream come true really
1: it was incredible she's i mean i had because con- there was a woman as well who was like my chaperone because at the time I was 15. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, so I had this chaperone and she told me which song in Carrie Underwood's set I would have to go and meet her for so I could watch the show. But then when it got to a certain song, I had to go backstage and it was like four or five songs before.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I went to the meetin- meeting place where I had to meet her and it was kind of where one of the bars were to go and get your drinks Mm -hmm. and there was a guy and he came over he was quite young and he was working there and he came over and he was like what are you doing what are you like waiting for just standing around and I was I was like oh well I'm singing with Carrie Underwood so I'm just waiting for the chaperone to take me backstage and he looked at me like what is wrong with this girl Like, (laughs) there's something wrong here. Um, So he was like, right, okay. And he didn't leave. He kind of stood back and just hovered and was like watching me as if I was doing something wrong. Yeah. And then I'd I'd even told him, I said, because I was looking for her in the crowd, I couldn't see her. And I was like, she's wearing a red top. And then this woman in a red top starts walking towards us. And he turns to me and goes, wait. You're telling the truth. You're actually singing with Carrie Underwood. And I was like, yeah (laughs) like so he was like oh my god that's incredible what's your name I want to can I follow you on social media but obviously at that point I had to go so I was just like oh it's Caitlin May music and I just had to quickly kind of usually I help people to find um me on social media because it's Caitlin May with an E not a Y and people obviously think May is like a month so then I went backstage and I had a CD and this was my first song the dream and this was before The Dream was released, because obviously I was performing with her in gym, and my song released in November. Yeah. But I'd I'd got the song and it was fully mastered and everything, and I'd got it on a CD specifically for this concert to give it to her to carry into it. So I was like, before we get on stage, can I drop this off in her dressing room? <laughs> so she took me to her dressing room and One of Carrie Underwood's songs is called Just a Dream. Yeah. So on the CD I wrote, it would be just a dream if you'd listen to this. So she actually listened to my song or got to listen to my song before it was even released.
0: That must be so, I mean, I'd be so nerve-wracked. Just the thought of going, I know it won't be for yourself because you're just such a charismatic (laughs) and bubbly person. So, you know, like you said earlier, you know, Taking the stage as your own, it's just something that you'd do naturally. But for me, I'd be I'd be breaking it. I'd be so nervous <laughs> and scared. But <laughs> fair you know, congratulations and such an amazing opportunity. Thank you. You must have been have, have you ever spoke to like a team since then or did well, it go like radio? This is the story.
1: It? They they said that you know, if we ever had anything we needed help with. That Carrie is given like these contact details. <laughs> and I, like I said, I was 15, so my mum had those contact details. And just our luck, we dropped, um, well, my mum dropped her phone in the dog's water bowl. No. And she lost all her contacts and everything. But luckily, we still have an email, but we lost the phone number.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so frustrating.
1: I know. I was like, no. <laughs>
0: you say you, you need to save stuff like that in like 50 million phones and
1: I know I know in the Post-it end I wished, yeah I wished I'd um saved it to my own phone because we can get that number back probably by emailing emailing them and asking them for the number um but also we we have an email as well as like a backup but there were text messages on the phone which even if my mum did screenshot because I think she did um and she was planning to post them to my Facebook from the chaperone who was like carrying towards like right hand woman I think and she messaged my mum straight after I came off stage and this was before I'd gone back to my seat because going back from backstage and then getting back through like the whole audience and Mm -hmm. people were talking to me so I was gone for quite a while um she had messaged my mum straight away and was like she totally smashed that and all all these things she wrote in this message, my mum was gonna post it, but then obviously once you lose the messages on that specific phone, yeah. Unless you've got a photo saved somewhere, it's it's gone. Even if you have the number, it's gone. So but oh well.
0: That's so frustrating. I mean, at least you've still got the memory as such, you know, just from the whole experience and knowing that what was said was said and the the fact that you even got on stage with Carrie Underwood. I mean, this Um, icon um, from America.
1: Yeah, and I'm just glad that we got a video as well of the night because technology, I'm the first to admit, is not my thing and it's not my parents' thing. And often people are like, what do you mean it's not your thing? You're a teenager. But technology honestly scares me. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So, yes, I'm just... So I'm just glad that we got this video because usually we take the camera. My, my dad likes to dabble in like learning new things when it comes to technology, but I wouldn't say it always works out. <laughs> and <laughs> he bought this camera and he was like, oh, it's really, it's a really uh, good quality camera so I can get all these videos of you. But every video, never, e- either the battery would run out, it wouldn't seem to save, or the picture was great, but the sound was awful on the video. So we realised we had to get an external mic and everything. Yeah. But this night we actually managed to film it, which, few because otherwise I wouldn't have had something to document it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there'd be a million and one different other footages around like YouTube. Yeah, or people
1: from different like, angles in the yeah. audience had filmed it and were sending it to me as well. So that was, that was good.
0: That's awesome. I mean, just before we actually started talking again today, you know, we were talking about your your dad and what he does for everybody. <laughs> really, you know, the fact that he loves to show people, you know, yeah. your performances and your videos. And, yeah, and it's so sweet. Go on. Do you want to tell? Do you want to tell us all
1: what um, your dad does? <laughs> My dad. He honestly, he's a carpenter, but every time somebody comes into his like workshop or his factory. He's like, you need to come into the office. You need to watch this. Oh, before you go, make sure you follow Caitlyn May <laughs> Music on every, every social media platform. Make sure you pre-order a song and pre-save it, and you know, listen to it and share it to all your friends. It's so crazy. And then he comes into the office, or he comes when I go into work, and he's like, "You've got three new fans."
0: Look at like, that.
1: That's what
0: you need in uh, family.
1: Yeah, he's he is. Uh, he's yeah, he's really supportive, and he's a good. He's an amazing dad. Um, even even the Carrie Underwood night, it was the song, The Champion, that we sang. And you had to kind of have a backstory. And Carrie Underwood would, would tell that backstory on stage before you sang, well, before the song started. And my champion was my dad because he had an operation on his eyes that went horribly wrong. Yeah. And yeah. so it's been really five five years since he had the operation and it's been five years from hell for him because he's just now he's on so many different kinds of medication for like the pain and before he was like the most most healthy person you would meet like he wasn't on any medication he was really positive but you know it's been really difficult for him for the past five years and that's another reason that has always kind of pushed me on with my music because it's such a huge passion but also I just he's always believed in me so I want to you know prove him right
0: yeah I'm sure you're doing him so proud and he also made the studio that you're in right now
1: yeah he did he honestly the amount of planning that went into this because he obviously he's a carpenter and that's his like expertise but the music side and that you don't realize like how many technical things go into making a studio I never realized but it's like not just putting sound panels on a wall it's so much more it's like insulation and every single thing he just researched it and researched it until you couldn't research anymore (laughs) and yeah I mean I just love the result even I mean I can't show you because the camera's attached to the top of the computer but even on the floor we're like you need so many wires in the studio and obviously there's like the booth and then there's the main room. Mm -hmm. So there's so many wires, but he's made it so that the floor actually has these panels that you can remove and they're still carpeted and underneath that's where all the wiring goes. Yeah. And he did that all on his own.
0: yeah I mean where because I work as an engineer full time as in prosthetics, the building that I work in i've got these like plug sockets that are built into the floor so you can yeah. have benches at different points and not have to like run cables from like the middle of a room to the end of the wall, so I can imagine yeah. exactly what it is, and it's so smart it's, it's,
1: yeah there's <laughs> so many things i wouldn't have even thought of half of the well more than half of these things, just everything and then even even though we did all the background research he then also went into the aesthetics because I like even behind me there's like this big wooden panel yeah and each of those blocks were put on separately and there's like over 200 300 blocks so there's a lot of different things that he had to do and it just took him a long time but
0: see that that's going to be one grateful. of the things I'm going to mention you know if if anybody's ever seen your studio room there you, you'll know what we're talking about but it's like a load of... It's almost like a jigsaw piece. Yeah. But it's, it's like a... Um, you know, like sound waves. I don't know if you remember um, Robin. She... Uh, every heartbeat. And she was like running all yeah. these blocks that were going up and down to like the beat of the music. And yeah, it kind of yeah. reminds me of like a sideways version of that. And it just yeah, looks so smart.
1: He said he wanted to offer different points of interest as well in the room. Yeah. Because... Obviously, all the blocks are on different levels. Some are pointing out more, and some are more uh, flush to the actual wall. Yeah. So they all just, yeah, it does. It does um, make you just want to look at it. Yeah, <laughs> and you the walk different it, tones. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Going from that, then
0: you've got a second Christmas single coming out.
1: Yeah. Called, called
0: Christmas Kiss.
1: Christmas Kiss, yeah. I'm so excited for
0: this one. So, earlier we mentioned the fact that, obviously, Candle kind of for Christmas is a sadder version of a Christmas song, and you wanted to yeah. do something that was happier. So, what yeah. was it like writing, then, Christmas Kiss?
1: Writing Christmas Kiss was a lot more... Yeah, It's difficult to explain, because I say that with a Candle for Christmas, I really wanted every word to do the story justice. I didn't want to I didn't want anything to take away from the story I was going for. Yeah. So I was very careful with every single lyric and I just wanted to make sure it fl- like it flowed. But with Christmas Kiss, it just kind of it just kind of happened and the words just fell onto the page and I didn't really have to think about anything too much it was just if it made me feel like I wanted to get up and dance and like I was having a great time then hopefully it would make other people feel like that as well because I think it's important that it starts with you feeling inspired by the song
0: yeah I mean it goes back to the the quote that I mentioned I want people to hear it and get up and dance like nobody's watching
1: yeah I think I do think that's so important because I think I was saying yesterday but people often feel very self-conscious like they're dancing but they they feel embarrassed by it yeah. and I, w- I don't want pe- I don't want anybody to feel like that because every single person is unique and every single person should be proud of that
0: yeah I totally agree and after you've also been bells and gals amplified artist
1: yeah oh that's been incredible so far
0: you've done so much and considering how young you are you know it's I I know people who are a lot older and you know even people I talk to about your story you know everybody says I cannot believe she's only 17.
1: I mean this year I've tried to completely stay on the positive side of thinking because at the start of the year, I did feel a bit deflated that I had so many festivals lined up and I couldn't do any of them because they'd all started to cancel. Yeah. But now I look back on this year and I'm actually grateful for what it's offered me because I, before this year, I didn't really have a community in country music. I did have a musical community of sorts, but they were more musical theatre and pop based. And that was just from the vocal coach I have, all her students are kind of the people I was coming across time and time again. But now this year has really given me the chance to expand and meet people who are country singers or who love country music themselves.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the, in the email that I get from Rachel regarding like new singles and stuff, there's... There's a quote in there saying that Caitlin has a rich, powerful voice and a delicate lyrical delivery that is heavily showcased in the first single release, A Candle for Christmas, which reached number five in the UK country iTunes chart. So two things from that. That is such a fantastic like, description of yourself. You know, a rich, powerful voice and delicate lyrical delivery. That is so fitting. And the fact that you got to number five in the charts somebody so, so young. It's brilliant.
1: Thank you. I was so excited to get to number five because with my first release, The Dream, I kind of just put it out there. I didn't really have any real direction because my parents, I kind of think of them as always having been my manager since I left stage school to focus on myself being a solo Artist, they've kind of always been there to give me advice and to help me, but none of us had released a song before, and none of us really knew the ins and outs. So we put it out there, and we just thought that was what people did—they put it out there, and if it gets a good response, that's because you've written a great song. Yeah, and it didn't reach as many people as I was hoping for. And then this year, I've come to realise there's a lot more that goes into it than just putting it out there and hoping for the best. You really do have to do a lot behind the scenes, but it's been an incredible journey this year, learning more and discovering more about that. And I couldn't believe it when it hit number five. I was so excited.
0: Where where are you hoping to hit then with, you know, a Christmas kiss? Are you wanting... At least the same or something a I, bit better? I'm
1: honestly hoping for number one. That's my biggest aspiration for this song. It would be incredible for it to hit number one.
0: I mean, it totally deserves it. I mean, with Christmas coming up. And the fact that it's so difficult, I mean, particularly for a young artist, but to release not just one Christmas song that can only be, we mentioned yesterday, can only be really played between, you know, in the month of December. Yeah. But to release two of them. So, you know two-thirds of your releases so far can only be played within one month. So it'd be really, really nice if people could actually you know, buy, stream, download, do everything that you can to get these two singles.
1: That would be incredible. I mean, after the year we've all had as well, I just hope that this song makes people who listen to it want to download it and listen to it every day on the lead-up to Christmas and just feel like they can forget about, all their troubles and all their worries, and just listen to the song and get lost in it.
0: Yeah. So from the three songs you've got so far then, The Dream, uh, Christmas Kiss, and A Candle for Christmas, which one's been the most emotional for you to write and which one has been the most easiest for you to write?
1: So I would say that A Candle for Christmas is definitely the one that was most emotional to write. Yeah. When I was in the studio, I mean this was after I'd written it, and when I was first laying those vocals down, I felt really, really emotional in the studio. And I don't usually feel like that because I really I really love being in the studio and I get lost in just just those few hours as a journey on it on by itself because you're watching your song turn from, you know, possibly just lyrics to an entire finished piece. Mm -hmm. And I always get lost in just that journey when I'm in the studio. But this, for this particular song, I, when I was in the booth and I was singing it, I felt so emotional. And I was like, wait, no, don't cry. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't cry, <laughs> you know.
0: When but, um, Whenever I listen to music, I always tend to have this like imagery that goes through my head. You know, I've got like a, almost like a music video that goes through my mind for what it's going to yeah. be. Now, when you're actually in the vocal booth recording your lyrics do you for any of the three songs do you have like imagery that goes through your mind or do you put yourself into a certain location or do you just focus on the song and making sure that you nail it 100% which you do
1: I'm definitely the kind of person who doesn't focus on every lyric in my head being perfect because I just think the most important the most important thing in a song is for you to emotionally connect with people who listen to it. Yeah. So yeah. I always try to lose myself in the storyline and feel like I'm living the song and living the story that I'm trying to tell, um, which with A Candle for Christmas was really easy to do. Yeah. And t- usually with the more upbeat songs, they're really easy as well because it's more just feeling really happy and feeling a buzz, which is my favorite thing. I love feeling a buzz because whenever I'm on stage, that is the feeling you get because you bounce off the audience. So when you're singing a really happy song, even in the studio, I always feel like, you know, it's a good song when you get that buzz. Yeah. Um, and the music video to a candle for Christmas from the very beginning, when I started writing the song, I knew what I was doing for the music video. Yep. I didn't have to think about it and write out this big plan that took a lot of time to think up. It was in my head from the start. It was almost planted there alongside the idea for the song.
0: The video for A Candle kind of for Christmas, obviously the whole room's decked out and you're you know you're giving, the, you're giving this boy a present. yeah. I mean if you if you haven't watched the video yet, you really need to. You really need to. I mean, I was I was when you was posting about it, you know, just before it was actually released, you know, the like little sneak peeks of filming and like behind the scenes and you know, I thought it was so fascinating to watch. Now, when did you actually start filming the music video for a candle for Christmas?
1: We filmed the music video for a candle for Christmas. I think exactly a week before it was released. Yeah. So release it was it was all done really quickly and quite spontaneously because my whole plan from the beginning was for it to be filmed weeks and weeks earlier than it was released. So there was no stress involved in knowing that I had to get it edited and out by like a certain date. Yeah. So I just thought it would be great to get it done as early as possible. But then Wales went back into another lockdown and we couldn't because we wanted to do a location shoot and I wanted to have an open fire for the music video yeah but the locations we were getting in touch with were saying because of the restrictions we can't really permit you to use this space because it wouldn't we, we'd be breaking the law really and it's just not safe this year to do it so I was thinking to myself that I'd have to wait and release a music video next Christmas which I was feeling a little bit bummed about but I know that we've all had to overcome things this year so that wasn't the end of the world but after the lockdown um I think it was just after the lockdown finished I went into the studio because I just found the guy to do the harmonies for a christmas kiss Mm -hmm. so yeah and he said oh i know a videographer and he's great and you should definitely use him or contact him if you're looking to do a music video so we did and we said we're looking to do it as soon as possible and he said what about this date and it was the 20th and the 20th i think was the actual release date of the music video i said we can't film it then because it should already be out then and he was like oh so when you said we need to do it as soon as possible you meant like tomorrow (laughs) so he managed to fit us in and it was only a few days after we spoke to him so that was incredible and it all fell into place then and we decorated then our our lounge we never decorate this early but I'm glad that out of all the years this is the year Mm -hmm. we decorated early because just to add a little bit of sparkle sparkle and a little bit of joy to something that's been a bit of a drab year yeah so the music video was incredible we filmed it all in one day which I didn't think we'd we'd manage to do because often my ideas are quite elaborate and I (laughs) I thought I thought it might take a while longer than a day but honestly we I started getting ready to film I think at seven in the morning and we really started filming at 10, and then the the videographer and the actor didn't leave until something past 11 in the night, I think. Really. So it was a long day.
0: I mean, I I put my Christmas decorations up really early this year. You know, one of the questions I was going to ask, you know, was did you put the Christmas decorations up purposely for the video, or was it just something that was already up? But it seems like they were already up. Well,
1: we actually knew that I needed to decorate for the music video. And I wanted to decorate early anyway this year because I know a lot of people have. And usually we go away for Christmas. That's like our tradition. But this yeah. year we couldn't. So I thought the, be- the next best thing would be to decorate and just try and prolong the Christmas period to two months instead of one. <laughs> yeah. um, so we, by the time we got the Christmas decorations down, we also, we lost the decorations for the tree. So taking everything down from the attic, somehow we lost the decorations. So we had the, the tree, we had the train track, but none of the actual decorations. So I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but we found them. So then we ended up decorating, I think, two days before the music video.
0: Yeah. That is so, it's so frustrating. You know, when you want, you've got an idea in your mind and then obviously you get scuppered by the whole, you know, Welsh lockdown that you had. And then... yeah being able to come out of that and then having to do it at home you know it's it must be so frustrating in the sense that you you've got so many different ideas and then one after another things go wrong
1: yeah and then obviously
0: to lose your decorations it's like the icing on the
1: cake that that was the icing on the cake i was like how how is it even possible to lose decorations (laughs) how is that how (laughs) i just don't understand but only only us only
0: us. See, I love the little Santa that's behind you as well.
1: Oh, yeah. He, um, we, he vacated to the quiet and the, pe- the peace of the studio because our house is totally hectic. We've got a dog I was telling you is so naughty. He barks his way through every day. He, yeah. he just barks. He, do- he doesn't even care if there's anything to bark at. He just barks. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we're all just... It is hectic, household me my me and my parents we're all really outgoing and we tell each other everything and we're very close and involved and then my brother he's we're we're still very close-knit but he is more quiet and he likes to just blast his music out in his room and tends to just want to stay in there yeah (laughs) i think he thinks we're crazy
0: oh (laughs) bless no i can't imagine that but i know you're saying regarding your dog Because every time somebody knocks on my door here, you know, my dog tends to go a bit wappy. He goes a bit barky and crazy. And, you know, when you're trying to do like a radio interview and stuff, it's like, okay, so that's perfect timing. Right at a crucial moment, my dog gets the bark. But we're in this lockdown.
1: Yeah. I mean, our dog, I think he has honestly thought that 2020 has been a party because (laughs) usually because he some dogs I mean he's 10 my dog but he still acts like a puppy and he still acts untrainable basically and even though we have a factory of our own we don't usually take him because he is an escape artist (laughs) he loves to escape and honestly every time he escapes he gets further and further away from the house so then usually before yet in our street he has a there's a dog and it's like his best friend and whenever he used to run away we knew he'd be there because he only ever went as far as this dog's house yeah but then the more he was managing to get out we, we finally realized he was getting out over the back wall and we oh. had to fix that problem but he um the more he was getting out the more confident he was getting and then he was getting further and further away from the house and he was getting to, like, the main road. Yeah. And he is not a street-smart dog. But thankfully, we managed to sort the garden out so that there is no way he can get out unless somebody leaves the gate open. Yeah. Which, if yeah. anybody leaves the gate open, it's my brother. So
0: so frustrating.
1: Yeah, but this year, 2020, he he's had a whale of a time because nobody's really been coming to the factory in person because... Of coronavirus, so we've been taking the dog with us, and he's been having the full scope of the factory. He can just run around, and he, because of the type of floors that we have there, he just skids along the floors. So if he starts to run and then he just he tries to stop, he'll go skidding.
0: Oh, bless. <laughs> like an
1: ice rink. Oh, but yeah, he's having a great time this year. I think he honestly thinks, wow, they've they've really. They've really made a lot of time for me this year. We we've done everything together. Spent
0: so much time. I mean, yeah, I mean, we we all have been at home, you know, constantly and those of us who do have pets, they must be loving it. They must be.
1: Yeah. Honestly, because usually, well, this year my brother's gone to college, but before that he was in school. So that's ev- like every day and on the even on the weekend because it's a family-owned business, sometimes we'd go up to the factory on a, on a weekend as well. Yeah. And my dog, when you'd, com- when you'd come home, he still hasn't eaten his food because he missed you so much. He wouldn't eat his food when you were out. Oh,
0: <laughs> that's way too cute.
1: I know. Oh, but he, he I want to say uh, he is cute. He is the cutest. Pe- like I say puppy. He acts like a puppy. I call <laughs> him puppy. But he's also the dirtiest because he, he goes in the garden. He rolls in everything he can find. Oh, and he nice. hates the bath. He hates the bath.
0: Don't all pets. I mean, well, yeah. my dog tends to, he's always 50-50 with baths. You know, he likes to sometimes get in and then other times he's like, no, nah, I'm not having this and tries to jump out.
1: She, oh, my dog, he's never enjoyed a bath in his life. He, he hates it. And his, his tail goes down and he's got quite a lot of fur. Yeah. So he looks bigger than he kind of is. But when he's in the bath, he looks so tiny. Because, and he also, he looks so sorry for himself and his head goes down. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's, he's a character.
0: One of the things I want to talk about as well is the artwork. Not only for a Christmas kiss, but for a candle for Christmas as well. So I love the like almost like ballerina type of suit that you've got on for a the, the candle for Christmas. But... The first one I want to talk about is Christmas Kiss. Who are the two? Are they two actors or is that you and someone else?
1: That's me and someone else. Really? Yeah. Who's,
0: is that? Is that the guy who sings on Christmas Kiss?
1: It's not the guy who sings on Christmas Kiss. It's the, actually the guy in the music video. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Uh, and bless him, he was a good sport because he's not, an actor he's actually a carpenter as well and he started out working for my dad in his factory and then he ended up going and working himself yeah and he's kind of come back to work for us now and so he's been in our bubble kind of yeah so I thought I was going to have to find an actor and it was going to be a bit more of a risk because obviously this year with coronavirus I thought it was going to be quite difficult to do it but he was like hang on what about me because when I described the kind of person that I wanted I said somebody tall because I wanted them obviously to be taller than me yeah. and somebody with dark hair preferably and he was like that that's me and I was like oh <laughs> I didn't think you would even be up for that but if you are that's incredible so we went to um the photographers they actually uh, called unique photography and they sponsor me yep yeah. So we went there and we took these photos, and we spontaneously decided to go outside to try and get more ambience, I guess, with with the photo. And it turned out great, actually. But my dad, I think, was like, "Yeah, get away from yeah. my daughter."
0: This is a bit too intense. <laughs> yeah, it's such a it's a very striking pose. I've got to say, it,
1: it was yeah, it, it was a really. I it, I definitely felt in the moment, I think, because everything added to it, the location where we were and the fact that it was dark and we could really get that mood.
0: Yeah. Has there ever been anything between you two?
1: No. No, but he, we are really close. He's like best friend, brother figure.
0: Yeah, you're blushing. No, it is a very striking image. It is really. It does. I mean, when you listen to the song, it does meet that criteria as such, if you can use that kind of phrase. Yeah. But yeah, it's such a powerful image as well. Because you can just see the. You can just see the silhouette of, like, obviously your nose and then down to your lips.
1: Yeah.
0: And. It looks like you've got a, not a smile, but like a, like a furrowed, like Like you, like you constant, yeah, like pouting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wanted to go for a photo that would convey how close the couple were. Yeah. I wanted it to show a closeness and a love between the two.
0: I mean, when you flick between the two photos... You know, between a candle for Christmas and a Christmas kiss. It's like you're this young, vibrant dancer that is just, you know, looking at this candle with sorrow. But then it's like you yeah. aged eight years, ten years. And you're in the, like the middle of New York City kind of vibe,
1: you know, that, with oh, the snow. Yeah. That yeah. would be incredible. Yeah. New York City in the snow.
0: It's, it's, when you do see the images when a Christmas Kiss is released, you know, you will you'll understand where I'm coming from with all this, but yeah, yeah it, it's it's fantastic work. Now, for people out there, you know what is the one takeaway from a Christmas kiss and a candle for Christmas you want to give them?
1: So with a candle for Christmas, I really just wanted to make people feel that even if they couldn't be physically close to a loved one that they're missing. could feel closer to them through this song yeah and with christmas kiss it's kind of the complete opposite i wanted it in a way to encourage people to feel brave this year especially and i know a lot of people experience crushes and they might be too nervous or too shy to actually act on them but i think you don't want to live your life based on regrets and if you have a crush on someone no matter how new it is to you or no matter how young you are, you should act on it. And even, I guess, even if you are a girl, I know a lot of the time they're like, oh, wait for the guy to make the first move. But if you're the girl, you can still make the first move. And you should, because that's a great story to tell.
0: Yeah. I mean, why, why should it always have to be the guy? You know, it's, it
1: shouldn't
0: in a world full of female empowerment now, you know, it's, yeah. everybody, it's everybody's game.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So what I want to know now is going from Bells and Gals, you know, being there, you know, wor- working with the Bells and Gals, what's it been like um, for you developing as an artist? I mean, because obviously being an amplified artist, you're going to have a lot of exposure. Yeah. And, you know, how did it, how did it all work? And how, how did it actually come about being a Bells and Gals amplified artist?
1: It was actually an amazing, it was a huge surprise when I actually got to be the Amplified Artist and when I found out that I'd got that position. It was incredible because I started to work with Scarlet River Management for this release because I, want, I knew I wanted to do things completely different to what I did with the dream. And so I started working with Scarlet River and I kind of put the bells and gals things to the back of my mind because I often think you've got so much going on and a lot of things to kind of apply for and to try out. Um, after I've applied, I tend to put it at the back of my mind so that I'm not dwelling on one thing and thinking, oh, I need to keep checking up on this. So I was just overjoyed when I found out I was the Amplified Artist. Yeah. And then it was just a double whammy this year as well, because I'd started working with Scarlet River. And then alongside that, I was going to be working with Bells and Gals. So it's really been an amazing experience. And honestly, double what it would have been if I was only working with one or the other.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you when Rachel sent me all this stuff and she was like, you know, I, I asked, you know, what are you doing with... um. Caitlin, you know, are you are you actually managing her? Are you doing the social media? What are you doing? And she was like, oh, "I'd love to," um, but she's going to be the amplified artist. So I actually found out a couple of weeks before everybody else. So, but it was working with Scarlet River. You know, they do do a lot. You know, in terms of you know the social media side and the, getting the artists out there, and they do do yeah. a lot. You know, what's it been like then working with Rachel from Scarlet?
1: It's been amazing and I do feel like I've learned a lot and discovered a lot this year um, working with Scarlet River and it's been incredible because I've had just so much support and I, I do, I am so grateful to Scarlet River because I wouldn't have found a community as large as I have if it wasn't for meeting her and you know, working on this release with her.
0: In terms of community, then, what's it been like, you know, discovering throughout the UK in particular the far reaches country music actually gets to? Because before all of this, you know, back in I think 2016, I didn't realize how big the UK country scene actually was. What was it like for you actually discovering that for yourself?
1: I know. I always, I always kind of felt like I was hearing how country music was growing in the UK and I was like where are these people where are my people I can't find them (laughs) like I'm lost and this year it's just been it has been like a journey of discovery because that sounds like a discovery channel thing (laughs) but no no it, it just it has been just incredible meeting well virtually meeting so many people who are either country singers themselves or are really involved in the behind the scenes or they do interviews or they just love music in general. It's just nice to finally find people who I feel like I really fit in. Yeah. And I say that, but I also think it's incredible to stand out. And I think there, there's room for everybody to their own artist and to be different and to really make a mark for themselves even though we're all I think quite close-knit I found that people like all the country singers they seem to be quite close-knit and I haven't even met any of them in person yet and I can't wait to hopefully next year but we we all seem to be quite close-knit but I do think that there is a place for each one of us to stand out. Oh, exactly
0: that's that's the main thing I mean I didn't realize how big the community was and going into this it was like oh my god you know week after week I get so many different artists saying oh you know can we have a chat can we have a chat can we have a chat and you know (laughs) it was like oh I really didn't expect to be so inundated it's it's not a bad thing you know that's a fantastic thing because there's so much to go around and that's the great thing with country music is it's so much more to do with the singing and songwriting than it is to do with the actual production behind music. You know, yeah. whereas that like pop music is very much, you know, it's about the levels and the layering of instruments. Whereas this it's very much the emotions behind the music and you've got that's, that nailed.
1: That's what I love about country music. And I think that's why I felt so connected and so encouraged to follow that path because I love a, so- a song that tells a story, and often, I know this is kind of going back to something that's not really a huge deal, but it always sticks in my mind that when I was in infant, infant school and primary, they would do like pop quizzes, yeah. and they would be about the pop artists that you could name, or can you match this name to this person or to this song, Yeah, and I always like I said earlier I kind of felt like a fraud because music played such a big part in my life but I couldn't I I never did well in those quizzes I was like (laughs) I have no idea who that person is And all my friends and all the people in my class would be like well that's this person obviously they're number one in the charts and but I I would have no idea and I was like what am I doing wrong but I think it's I just never felt connected to pop because I never felt that it told a story and country music is so incredible for telling stories
0: now when we actually had our conversation yesterday when when everything kind of like messed up and the reason why we didn't like try and stick around to try and get it all fixed and then do the recording afterwards is because you want you were going somewhere
1: yeah (laughs) i was going to get ice
0: cream you're going to get ice cream i mean that's like the perfect excuse to try and get away and I want to know, what ice cream did you get?
1: I got clotted cream ice cream Ooh. with nuts on top, and that is the perfect order.
0: Ooh, that sounds good. I mean, I need to... I need to when we can actually eventually go to new places, you know, I've, I've, I've actually never been to Wales, you know. Look at you. Never. <gasps> Me too. So I do need to get myself over, and I need to go to this ice cream place because it sounds amazing.
1: It is amazing. Um, It's called Sub-Zero. 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 And they, they've they even got something new in, which I thought they were cake pops. I'm not sure if you've ever tried a cake pop, but no. they are incredible. But then they kind of seem to fizzle out because I haven't seen them in years and they were really nice. So mm. I, th- I was really excited yesterday because I was like, oh, they've got cake pops, but they're not cake pops. They're like some new creation. It's got... <laughs> like ice cream in the middle and then a wafer and then the different layers and then a topping. And I'm like, wow, that (laughs) that is crazy.
0: (laughs) So towards the end of the show, what I always like to ask is two very important questions. Now, I don't know if you've heard some of the episodes. It's okay. If you haven't, don't worry, don't panic, (laughs) but it's two very important questions. And one is Jaffa cakes. Are they a cake or a biscuit?
1: I've always thought that without thinking, I've always thought they're a biscuit. But whenever you tr- like, whenever you actually sit down and look at it, or even even when you when you're eating one and you can feel the texture, it, it kind of falls under cake.
0: You got. To, you can only choose one.
1: Okay. Well, if if I'm gonna if I'm gonna Analyze it, I'm gonna say
0: cake. <laughs> okay, you you've just gone up in my expectations. <laughs> if I know there isn't a right or a wrong answer, but you just chose the right answer. <laughs> Second question, is pineapple on pizza, yes or no?
1: So I am not opposed to it, but I've never tried it. Okay. I've never I've never tried pineapple on pizza, but I do like pineapple and like I like Gammon with cheese and pineapple. Yes. So, I think if
0: I did try it, I, pro- I probably would like it. Actually, let's 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 back up a little bit here. Gammon with cheese and pineapple.
1: Yeah. Have
0: you never? You see, whenever I have like gammon in that sense, I always end up having like gammon and a pineapple ring and a fried egg.
1: I've never tried that. I've never because I've never really been. Um, you know, like the English breakfast type person. Yeah. You know when they add the eggs and the beans and the... I've never been that kind of person. So I never tend to have eggs. I don't I don't usually have eggs. Okay, I'm fair not, enough. I'm not, an, I'm not an eggy person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Such a weird phrase that I'm not an eggy person. <laughs> so, where can people find you on social media?
1: So my social media handle is at Caitlin May Music on all platforms except for Twitter, where I'm Caitlin May UK.
0: is <laughs> always the annoying one because you can only have yeah, so characters.
1: Because somebody is using my username, so I can't. I can use Caitlin May Music on every other platform except for twitter where somebody else is using it but the last time they were active on the account was 2015
0: that's for strange. so
1: i'm like i just want my account name but um the person who uses it they're not even a singer they're just they like rate songs so i think they'll put a name of a song and then they'll say like five out of ten and really? that's it yeah that's... and i'm like ah. Oh.
0: see i'm sure what you need to do is try and follow them and then send them a message saying can you deactivate your account please so i can have the handle. my name <laughs> or can you at least change your name so it's just Caitlin may or something just i want the katelyn yeah. may music
1: i know oh i can't believe my luck just my luck
0: so as a run through again when is a christmas kiss coming out
1: so christmas kiss releases on december 4th
0: and where can we get it
1: you can get it on all major music platforms but I know the main ones are Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. Those tend to be the main ones people go for. But any music app that you have, it'll be on there.
0: Thank you for coming on. It's actually been really, really I mean, yesterday was such an emotional day. You know, I'm kinda of glad that we've, you know, done it almost in a two parter because it's really it's it's re lightened the mood because even though it is such an important topic it's still a very emotional topic what we went through yesterday
1: yeah yeah for sure I just think though I always I'm not gonna say because I I hate to like live my life and I would hate for anybody else to live their life with regrets and wishing they could go back and change something so I always say what happened happened and I wouldn't change it because that could change me because every experience that you have it does affect you in some way, even if it's in a really small way, but every little thing that happens in your life changes the person that you are. So in a way, I thank all my experiences for making me the person I am today.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And you know, my hat goes off. Again, if I was wearing a hat, I'd take it off for you. (laughs) Thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. And yeah, it's great to actually actually finally meet you now next week on i think it's wednesday we are going to do a instagram live so be sure to tune into instagram live country chat with dom and you'll get to see me and caitlin have a bit of a chat and a couple of songs
1: that's going to be so awesome i can't wait
0: so yeah that's wednesday the 2nd of december and yeah let's all live with love and yeah remain happy and cheerful this christmas even though we're going through this big lockdown
1: yes for sure Make this year a good one.
0: Make the rest of this year a good one. And make next year a good one as well.
1: Yeah. Make next year the best one.
0: Exactly. <laughs> we need it. Yeah. Thank you everybody for listening and I hope you all have a good week. Take care and I'll see you all next time. Bye for now. That was the Country Chat Podcast. Join Dom next time for exclusive interviews, reviews and general chit-chats on all things country music.